This week on Future of Sex. A philosophy, uh, an approach to combining sex and cannabis. My vision just went black, just starry-eyed, and I felt like I left my body. And when I came back to, it, it wasn't like it stopped. It wasn't just the one powerful orgasm. It kept going. It's a spray in coconut oil to enhance clitoral blood flow, vaginal blood flow, arousal, and pleasure. So, and by the way, it does not cause mental status changes and no psychoactive effects. So it's generally focused. And that's why, you know, I think that's what makes it unique. It's not reefer. It doesn't, I mean, it's based, I guess, from the plant, but it doesn't get you high. But it gets your clitoris high. Is that the idea? CBD fucking, it saves vacations for me. Edibles are great for that. If you just want to stay in your hotel bed and fuck all day, they're fantastic. But with the CBD lubricant, I have orgasms that I have never experienced in my life. Hey, I'm Bryony, and welcome to Future of Sex, the podcast that explores the evolving worlds of sex and tech. Have you ever wondered about cannabis and sex? What's the deal? Maybe you've heard someone talk about how it helps with anxiety or relieving pain. But did you know cannabis can enhance foreplay and strengthen the sensations of sex? Okay, guys, how and what do you need to know? Those were my questions. And today I'm taking you with me on a journey with Ashley Manta, dubbed America's High Priestess of Pleasure by Sexual Health Magazine. Ashley and I are going to explore all things cannabis, from the basics of THC versus CBD to the more advanced use of suppositories and making your own cannabis lube at home. Yes, we're going to give you the step-by-step instructions, so keep listening. You'll also hear from Julieta Chiara, a sex blogger who is an advocate for CBD use and sex, and has a few funny stories of her own to share. But before we get started, we just want to remind you, this podcast contains explicit language and adult themes. So make sure you've got headphones in if there are little ones around. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Manta. I am widely known as the Canisexual. I am an award-winning sex and relationship coach and an expert on sex and cannabis, and I'm also an author. And I love talking about all things sex, cannabis, and personal growth. Do you have a story about how you got started in this or how you discovered this intersection of all these things, sex, cannabis, and personal development. I got my start as a sex educator doing sexual violence prevention education about 13 years ago now. And I recognized after a few years that doing that particular portion of the work where my focus was on trauma was really powerful, but also very triggering and somewhat draining. And so I pivoted to focus more on the pleasurable side of sex And I worked at a sex shop and learned all about toys and lubes and lotions and potions. And I started teaching blowjob classes and I worked as a phone sex operator. And that was all really interesting. And back in 2014 or so, right after I moved to California from Pennsylvania, I started using medical cannabis. And I realized very quickly that for myself as a sexual assault survivor, 
cannabis was really helpful with managing my symptoms of PTSD and specifically pain with penetration was something that I experienced for my entire adult life. And I found a THC infused oil that you apply to your bits 20 minutes before sexy fun times commence. And that was the thing that allowed me to have penetrative sex without pain. And I looked around and I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know any other sex educators who are talking about sex and cannabis from a really intentional, inclusive, body positive perspective. And so I thought this could be my thing. And so I went and bought canasexual.com and then I trademarked canasexual. And six years later, here I am. (laughs) There's still a lot of fear around cannabis because um, at least in the United States, the war on drugs, as many people know, is very much a racist war on black and brown people. And so they made cannabis out to be this like demon weed. And that has seeped into sort of collective consciousness. And there's a lot of apprehension I find, especially in the older generation of, oh, I cannabis, that's bad. Oh, I don't want to do that. And so I'm definitely seeing people of all ages starting to open their minds more as more information becomes available, which is really great to see. And I hope that that trend will continue into the future, that people are a little bit less scared to say, oh yeah, cannabis, that's a thing that I do. You know, you're starting to see cannabis weddings and and people who are CEOs smoking cannabis and it's becoming more socially acceptable. And I think that gives people courage to kind of come out of the green closet, if you will. CBD, otherwise known as cannabidiol, is one of 60 compounds found in cannabis. Where THC is associated with the high that you get from smoking cannabis, CBD is non-psychoactive. So not everyone wants to get high and that's totally fine and it's great because cannabis is an incredibly versatile plant. THC and CBD are compounds known as cannabinoids and our bodies have something called an endocannabinoid system. So these compounds are actually perfectly designed to work with our own body's endocannabinoid system and they fit into it the way a key fits into a lock. And the endocannabinoid system is designed to keep our body in homeostasis and so to get balanced. So using cannabis does not require you to be high. There are plenty of ways that you can use it that will not intoxicate you. Uh, Topicals are a great example. Even though THC is traditionally associated with the one that gets you stoned, it doesn't have to be. If you apply it topically, it will not get you stoned because if it's not passing through the liver, it's not getting you high. That's a, a useful distinction, especially for people who are kind of dipping their toe in the pool. The intoxicating form of THC is actually Delta 9 THC. So Delta 9 THC happens when you apply heat to uh, the cannabis plant. And so in its raw form, if you were to, to grow a cannabis plant and pick a bud off of the plant and put it in your mouth and chew and swallow, it would not get you high because you have not heated it. And so there's a lot of ways to work with THC in its unheated form. Uh, decarboxylation is, is the process under which it becomes Delta 9 THC. And before you decarboxylate it, there are a lot of ways to extract the acid form of THC that give you a lot of medical benefits without the intoxicating effects. Um, CBD, as I mentioned, is another cannabinoid. And that in any form that you consume it will not cause intoxication. And it's often used for uh, reducing inflammation. It's also been shown in some cases to reduce anxiety, which is something that a lot of people feel around sexuality. 
because of the shame that we're all brought up with around our bodies. And, and so that's all a lot of chemistry and way more than most people need to know. So to simplify, I'm just going to tell you that THC does not have to get you high and that these cannabinoids, THC, CBD, and many others, there are over 100 in the plant that we know of so far, work better together. And so it's important to know that you know, it's the difference between drinking a cup of coffee and taking a caffeine pill. I think uh, I think we should get into that whole indica versus sativa. All right. So you mentioned forget indica and sativa. Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> okay. So somewhere along the line, um, back when the only option was the illegal market, dealers needed a way to explain to their customers how a particular product was going to hit them. And so they started relying on indica and sativa, indica tending to refer to strains that are heavier, sleepier. Um, I hear all the time and it makes me crazy. Indica, like in the couch. I'm like, oh God, okay. <laughs> I understand that people like sound bites and everybody wants like massive oversimplifications, but like for the love of Christ, nuance. Um, and then sativas are generally considered to be the more cerebral, buzzy, creative variety of cannabis. Um, what the reality is, and what science has said, you know, if you ask any psychopharmacologist or someone who has really studied the plant, is that um, indica and sativa are based on the morphology of the leaves of the plant. So indica leaves are um, short and bushy, and sativa leaves are long and skinny, and neither of those things has anything to do with the effects. The effects are entirely subjective. So if you gave five people the same strain, they would have different effects because it really depends on your body, your tolerance, your mindset and setting, how recently you've eaten can impact how your hormone levels are. Like all of these different things impact how a particular product is going to hit you. And so to try to distill it down to indica and sativa and oversimplify as like indica is sleepy and sativa is buzzy is just so flawed and I have had plenty of quote unquote indica strains that have made me completely wired and sativa strains that have knocked me out. And so you really have to look at the cannabinoid and terpene breakdowns. Uh, terpenes are the things that make plants smell the way that they do. And cannabis has those like any other plant. And those work with the cannabinoids to um, steer the effects somewhat. But mostly you just have to try it and see how it works for you and then take notes because everybody's different. And I can't tell you how something's going to hit you. Right. And you mentioned in that post that everything's a hybrid anyway these days. So it is about testing what you've got. Yes. Yes. There's been so much crossbreeding um, because the focus has become on the, getting the highest percentage of THC in a plant rather than any other effect. And that's also largely like a marketing and consumer tool because people think, oh, well, if I'm paying $60 for an eighth of an ounce, I want one with 30% THC because then I'm getting like more bang for my buck. That's not how it works. But, but people think that. And so, yeah, everything is a hybrid and a higher percentage of THC is not always going to get you higher. Uh, so do your homework, hit up experts and, and read blogs and like... Don't just go by what people say, especially what, what sales associates say at a dispensary, because they're paid to sell you things. They're not pharmacists. This season of Future of Sex is brought to you by our partners at Revive. 
Now, when it comes to couples vibrators, there's no other company we'd recommend more. And they're industry favorites for a reason. They consistently bring innovation to sex toys. If you want to check out what I'm talking about, head to wevibe.com and check out all their different toys, especially the ones for couples. And if you want a discount code, we have it for you. Visit the link on our Insta bio at Future of Sex or head to the website wevibe.com and put in the code FUTURE at the checkout for your discount. Hey everybody, my name is Julieta Chiara. I am a sex blogger and digital media nomad. So travel around the world doing digital media only for adult brands, which has been very exciting. And leading to this episode, I've done a lot of work with CBD brands and a lot of personal experience with CBD lubricants. So the number one benefit of CBD using that, especially uh, vaginally, is that it's a massive anti-inflammatory. Uh, so the, the results, scientifically speaking, have been super similar to taking uh, how people would take Advil or things of that nature, but it's much more powerful. It's much more potent. And then on top of that, it's, it's a lot more gentle. It's something that you can use long term without hurting the rest of your organs, especially women that are experiencing sorts of sexual pain, be that from endometriosis, vulvodynia, um, maybe postpartum pain, things of that nature. Having a lubricant that takes away this inflammation and makes sex enjoyable again, it's revolutionary because most of the time you might go to your gynecologist and they might prescribe you maybe a steroid cream to put on or oftentimes, which is really sad, is your medical professionals kind of just tell you to deal with it. I feel that CBD lubricants can benefit you, but can benefit anybody no matter what you're going through in some sort of way, whether that be pain relief whether that be anti-anxiety or whether that helps you relax and just feel more and have better arousal, just be open to it, even though it's not traditional. My first time trying any sort of CBD lubricant was uh, a couple of years ago. It was the same thing. I said, I, I don't really know how this could, how this could do anything. And when I, when I put on the lubricant, it, it did advise to let it sit for about 15 minutes. And that's to let the lubricant um, and the CBD go into your bloodstream and, and do its work. What I noticed right off the get-go is how much my, my pelvis uh, relaxed. And I think that being an, an anxious person, that we, tend to, we tend to be wound up a little bit tight. I just noticed that my pelvis relaxed. And with my pelvis relaxing, immediately I felt lubricated. I felt way more aroused. And in terms of reaching orgasm, I, I had a, I had orgasms I had never experienced in my life. And I think that was because I was able to reach the state of arousal that was uninterrupted by my stress, my anxiety, or whatever my body was trying to do. Is that like a powerful orgasm or how do you describe that orgasm? Oh, okay. Uh, this might sound super dramatic, but I think I definitely astral projected is what it felt like. Wow. I just remember with, with this kind of orgasm that was so powerful, I remember my my vision just went black, just starry eyed, and I felt like I left my body. And when I came back to it, it wasn't like it stopped. It wasn't just the one powerful orgasm. It kept going, and that was off of a very small dosage of CBD, which the lubricants can range anywhere from twenty milligrams to two hundred milligrams. So it can get 
it can get stronger. It just, um, it, it, it really just depends. But with the CBD lubricants, I have orgasms that I have never experienced in my life. Not even with, you know, those uh, stimulating lubes that they sell you. Yeah, no, nothing compares. Nothing compares. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Is this just with partnered sex or would you recommend using CBD lube for solo sex as well? Personally speaking, uh, I prefer it for solo sex. I think the reason, I think it's a little selfish. I think it's because when I'm solo sex, I'm really focusing just on myself. It's such a natural but powerful resource that can really not only provide such an exceptional amount of healing to people that have not had relief in years, but it can add just an extra form of stimulation and an extra form of exploration that you might have not had before. So why not? Why not use your body to its fullest potential? I think going into the future of what CBD and sex will look like, it will be how how does this become mainstream? How does this benefit everybody? And But people don't realize that CBD or even uh, hemp seed oil from cannabis it's very nourishing for the skin. It's very good for the hair. It comes with a good vitamin. So that's a really long tangent we can go on because you can use CBD for practically anything. I even here in my home, we have a, my father dabbles into CBD as well. So we have these little, they look like little energy shots with CBD that are meant for hangovers. So it's really funny. <laughs> you, you, can, you can really dive into whatever you feel like doing with CBD. I started smoking it when I was younger for anxiety. So that's how I, I started my journey with CBD. And ironically speaking, I do have a horror story from using a lubricant with THC, not CBD. And that's a lubricant I did use vaginally. And as we spoke about before, it's a mucus membrane. So I ended up getting astronomically high off of this lubricant on accident. This is me just being dumb. I had a friend make me some. So there was no indication on how much was in there. That was just me doing a rookie move that no one should pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Be My careful when you do the homemade version. <laughs> like I said, it, it ended up being, I have never been more stoned in my life. It was embarrassing. I had to like text my dad to bring me water because I just couldn't move. <laughs> this is a dead giveaway of what I was doing as well. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. And your dad sounds like a hero. You know, Stanford professor and clinical psychologist Dr. Brittany Blair describes learning to be more mindful in bed as the secret to having hotter sex. And this is what her app Lover is all about. The app helps you identify your sexual goals. That can be anything from increasing your sex drive to experiencing more pleasure in bed. It creates this personalized treatment plan of scientific techniques and exercises which you follow. And get this, 75% of couples who follow the exercises in the app report an increased sex drive. So get yourself over to lover.io today or search for Lover in the App Store. Can you make your own homemade cannabis lube or is that like a don't try this at home this is only like a secret recipe oh no you totally can in fact i just made some over the weekend it's really really easy 
Um, if you want to be fancy and you have money to spend, there are actually machines that are oil infusers and you don't have to infuse your oil with cannabis. You can infuse it with basil or rosemary if you want, but Mm. there are machines that will do that for you. Or you can do it the old fashioned way because my infuser actually broke over the weekend. So I had to like really old school it. And literally all you do is you take your decarboxylated flour. Um, so that means it has to have been heated. So what I do is I save the flour that I vape in my flour vape and I literally just save it for months. And then when I have about eight grams, I use it to infuse my oil. If you don't want to wait that long or you don't vape flour, you can just grind up about a quarter of an ounce of flour, throw it in your oven at 200 degrees for 30 minutes, shake it around, throw it in for another 30 minutes, and that will effectively decarboxylate it. And then you put the flour and your oil of choice, I like to use coconut oil, into a mason jar, throw that into a slow cooker and do it for eh, a couple hours. And at the end, you strain it through cheesecloth and you have your infused oil. That is so cool. That's like, <laughs> that's really cool. That's a, That's way better than baking banana bread during, during the pandemic. I do recommend if you have nosy neighbors to be cooking bacon at the same time, because when you're decarboxylating your flour in the oven, your entire apartment will smell like weed. <laughs> and that is not ideal for all people. Uh, also, if you want, there are Amazon sells suppository molds and suppositories are things that can be inserted either anally or vaginally. And the reason I use coconut oil is because it will freeze. And so I, over the weekend, also took that oil and put it into suppository modes, which was an incredibly tedious process, but very much worth it. I made about 75 suppositories. And now I insert those when I'm having cramps or when I'm going to have anal. You don't have to spend a ton of money getting a fancy, beautifully branded, um, CBD lube. You you can, but like you can make your own. You absolutely can. I want cannabis and and these products to be accessible to people, especially people who live in places where maybe it's not legal. And so not that I'm advising anyone to break the law, follow local laws, but if you're going to, you know, especially if you're using it medicinally, you know, people with cancer or people with endometriosis, it's really useful to be able to have access to these medicinal properties. Um, and, and be able to do it at home. On your website, there's a study mentions that 68% of women who smoke cannabis before sex reported more pleasure. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on that. There is some evidence to suggest that people um, who have more estrogen, like people who menstruate, uh, will actually be affected differently because estrogen modulates the effects of THC. And so depending on where you are in your cycle, THC will hit you harder than other times. And for people who are postmenopausal, they will take them more THC to get high than it did prior to going through menopause. And so typically people with penises, there's a threshold also of their kind of sweet spot where if you consume too much, you get, you know, the cannabis equivalent of whiskey dick where getting hard is just not super attainable, which does not mean that sex has to be off the table because I'm fully about decentering the hard penis as like the be all end all for sex. I think you can have just as much fun with a limp penis and, and enjoy hands and mouths and toys and things. But if that is a priority for you, you want to be careful with dosing. The things that you wish either people asked you about, or you wish people knew already about kind of sexual, the sex and cannabis connection. One thing that 
I don't think ever gets quite enough attention is the consent piece to sex and cannabis. And coming from a sexual violence prevention background, it was something that gave me a lot of heartburn early on because I was thinking to myself, how am I possibly going to marry these two things when I believe that you should not combine substances and sex? And what I found with cannabis specifically, um, which is very different than alcohol, is one, there are ways to consume cannabis that don't cause intoxication, where there is no way to drink without getting intoxicated. And two, um, it's really important to negotiate before you consume. And so to have a conversation with your partner that is very clear and explicit around what's on the table, what are your boundaries, what do you want this to do? Like as you are consuming this, as you're planning to consume these products, what are you hoping they're going to do for you? Like, as I mentioned before, it's not about getting stoned and having sex. It's really about using it on purpose. And so what is the purpose? And getting very clear with your partner, as well as if you happen to overconsume, how your partner would know, you know, what kind of, what would they see you doing or what would they hear you doing? And how do you want to be taken care of if you happen to find yourself having overconsumed? Do you want to be left alone? Do you want to be rolled up like a little sushi burrito? Do you want to be brought water? And I think those kinds of, of conversations are really crucial. If you're defining sex as more than just like the act of sex and the includes foreplay and the clothes you put on, there's also that extended after period as well, which yes. is like, is, you know, something that people we don't, we don't put enough thought into. We don't. We have been inculcated into this belief system wherein uh, the best sex requires the least to be said. And I think that's really damaging for a lot of people yeah. because we don't feel empowered to use our voices. We feel like if we're giving feedback, then we're criticizing our partners. We feel like asking for what we want is shameful. And I think that leads to shitty sexual experiences. And if we were more able to, you know, know ourselves, be able to be aware and honor our desires and then speak those desires and also speak our boundaries and have them heard and respected. I think everybody would be having much better sex. For the more advanced, you know, cannabis users out there, are there ways that might surprise them that you you would you could incorporate this into your sexual pleasure and experiences? Oh, sure. For advanced users, I like edibles. Right. For beginners, yeah. I do not like edibles. I do mm -hmm. not recommend edibles for, for newbies. But for people who have a healthy command of their tolerance and how cannabis impacts them, edibles are great for marathon sex. So let's say you and your partner are going to away for the weekend and you don't have any responsibilities other than having a good time with one another. Edibles are great for that. If you just want to stay in your hotel bed and fuck all day, they're fantastic. So in the context of everything I've been talking about, what are your what are your hopes for the future of sex? What I really hope is a couple of things. One is so much more science. I would really like to have more solid and concrete answers about exactly how cannabis impacts pleasure. I want to see people in fMRI machines jerking off so that we can measure their brains while they have consumed so that we can see exactly what's going on. And I imagine more will be done around genetics and cannabis where you can see based on your DNA, based on you know the various um, genetic markers, which products are going to be good for you. And you can choose more intentionally rather than just going by what you think might work. 
Okay, so people that want more info and to, to research more, where can they find you? So you can find the Sex and Cannabis Professional Alliance at sexandcannabis.com. You can find me at canasexual.com or on Instagram at canasexual. And I am so excited to have my own podcast called Elevated Intimacy, where we talk about sex and cannabis, as well as other sorts of psychedelics. Uh, I had the author of a book on mushrooms come on, and, and it's really just about enhancing your intimacy with both knowledge and plants. Thanks for listening to Future of Sex. I hope you learnt a lot about cannabis and sex and perhaps you're considering trying it for yourself now. If you've got any questions about the episode or maybe some feedback for me or you just want to keep up with what I'm doing, you can head to Future of Sex on Instagram and I will respond to your messages there. We'd also love if you rate and review the podcast and please send it to a friend. It means the world to me and the team. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.